Oh, it's a pig! Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the Lake Erie Kayak Anglers Podcast, the podcast designed to make you a better angler. I'm Chuck Earls with LakeErieKayakFishing.com. And I'm Jason Duco with Yaktastic Duca Fishing. Today we're sitting in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, obviously talking on a podcast today we got somebody uh, that makes a product that we're all familiar with if not we have on our kayak itself and that's duke westcamp he's uh owner and operator of catch products we just thought we'd get him on today and talk to him see how he kind of came up with the idea and what he does on a daily basis out there so duke where are you uh coming to us from today I'm uh, I'm in a town called East Dundee, which is about an hour outside of the city of Chicago, um, and I hope to not be here much longer. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard of I've heard of Dundee, uh, but I, I don't. I'm not too familiar with the Chicago area. But that's on the west side. Uh, it, we're on the we're on the northwest side, and uh, yeah. To to say you know from you know an angler, I obviously got into this business because I was an angler first. I think most of us do. Um, and from an angler's perspective, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities. We get a good salmon run at this time of year. Unfortunately, this also tends to be my busy time of year, so uh, I'm sad to say I haven't uh, put much chrome on the boat. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, we're we're actually looking into we're, we're looking to move in the shop to uh, to southern Wisconsin in the next uh, within the next couple of years. We're kind of running out of space. Uh, this thing grew a little faster than we thought, which is a good problem to have, but a but a problem nonetheless. And uh, what solves the other problem that I, I hate living in Illinois? Yeah, uh, yeah. you won't get I an endorsement. There's, there's some really good ports out there in uh, in Wisconsin that have some really good kingfishing. There's a, there's a lot of them and, and I'm lucky. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, almost as far North as you can go in Illinois. Um, so a lot of the hot spots like Kenosha, Racine, Milwaukee, Port of Washington, two rivers, Manitowoc, those are all within a couple hours drive, but it's, it's still, it's still a couple hours, you know, and it's, you know, when, when you have, when you don't have a full day to, to go fish, you know, I guess that's what, has kind of turned me into a, a frustrated bass angler over the years is there's lots of little uh, farm ponds and small impoundments. And, and, and that's really what got me into kayak fishing. Um, I've owned boats, I've fished from boats. I'm, I've tournament fished musky tournaments for, for years and years. Uh, but you know, the, the thing that was really a drag for me was there just weren't a lot of options locally, but there were a lot of small lakes where you couldn't get a trailer, you couldn't get a boat or, they have some of these like three or 400 acre lakes where it's trolling motor only, no gas motors and stuff like that. So that's kind of what got me into, uh, into kayak fishing and, and subsequently got me away from kind of chasing what I'm, what I'm really after. I've been, I've been kind of getting back into, you know, salmon and muskie are, are where I'm really comfortable and where, where that's like where my passion lies. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, most of what, I, most of the fishing I end up doing ends up being bass fishing, which I got nothing against bass. It's fun uh, and it's easy and it's accessible, but you know, it's gotten to be so much of my schedule as my time gets crunched down that, that uh, I'm just doing more of it than I want to do, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's kind of how I am. I, I just 
I don't personally like driving. So typically like I focus on, which luckily I live 10 minutes from Lake Erie, but I mean, I focus on stuff that's within a half hour, which happens to be uh, out here in Avon where we fish a lot. Um, but I, I personally don't like driving more than an hour probably for a day trip. And then if not, I typically like to. Yeah. I don't know who brought this guy. He always tries to get me to do these crazy trips for like a, for like a day of fishing. I'm like, that's like two hours. I'll drive down there, (laughs) fish Lake Michigan for, you know, six, seven hours and drive back. Yeah. Yeah. You just went on a musky trip, didn't you Chuck? Oh yeah. We went to uh, Leesville Lake. Um, Indiana. No, in, uh, in Ohio. Okay. Ohio. It's about two hours south, yeah, east, oh. south southeast of oh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Right on. Really nice yeah. lake. Good numbers of muskie. Um, all the guys that went, most of them caught fish. I did not. I was having uh, back issues. Um, you know, I, I like pulled uh, a nerve or a, a muscle in my back, and I couldn't barely cast. So I'd stand and cast for like twenty minutes, and sit down and try to troll and. You know, you re- when you have something like that going on, it's really hard to fish. Well, chucking chucking pounders all day with a yeah, with right. a back is no fun. I mean, even <laughs> even when your back's good, you know, there's days when you go out and make so many casts, musky fishing. You know, I I I, I throw a lot of blades. I I love throwing a, a bait called a, an angry dragon, which is essentially oh, just yeah. like an upsized uh, chatter bait for for musky. Yeah. There's days you get off the water after chucking that angry dragon, and it feels like you've been operating a jackhammer all day. Oh you, know, you can't feel your arms, and you know, I mean, that's I get. I guess that's what appeals to me about musky fishing. It's it's tough, and then that one, it's 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 like one of the only you know freshwater species where you can you can catch one in a day, and that was a fantastic day. Good day. Right. Yeah, you never go out and catch one bass, and you're like, man, it was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, it, it sucked that my back was hurting, but um, the trip was awesome. How do I? Yeah, I, I went last year, but unfortunately, I didn't plan well enough to uh, have the, the time off. And I was kind of compressed with work, but it's a good lake to go. They have a lot of muskie and they're pretty well known. I think uh, they're at Leesville for that. And I don't do they, I think they stock it as well. I, th- I think it is a stock lake. Um, but yeah, we go down every year for a camping trip. Uh, the first one actually was with a buddy of mine. Um, he ended up passing away at, at the boat ramp a um, little bit after. Yeah, it was, it was a few years ago. You know, good dude. But, you know, it's true what they say, the good die young. But um, we, we renamed it in his name, so we go down for the Muth Musky Fest every year and just kind of camp out, you know, and, and chase musky. And uh, the, the scenery is absolutely amazing. Um, I actually – I was trolling and here comes this hawk with, with like a little chipmunk hanging out of it, 15 Jeez. foot over my kayak, you know, it's like, I didn't get to catch a muskie, but yeah, the, the experience and, you know, seeing everybody else get out and catch muskies. And yeah, it's a cool experience. There's a, I what, probably like 20, 30 kayakers that go down there. Yeah. I think there was about 18 people this year. Yeah. It's but it cool was, to be it was out cold. There. It was supposed to rain. It did rain. I do remember Sunday. he was trying to get me to come down for one day, two hour drive. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Come on, saddle up. No excuses. Saddle up, Sally. WTF. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would have caught a muskie, too. 
And it was like 32 degrees. I swear I saw in the 30s. Oh, it was, it, was e- it was either cold. south, like south, maybe in the 40s. But you know, I, I had an electric site, so I, I ran an extension cord with a little electric heater that had a thermostat. I set the thermostat, got in the sleeping bag, and, yeah. you know, the rest is history. I woke yeah. up before the sun, get on the water. And- I don't think I've even fished for muskie this year, which is really sad, but I've well, never even caught a muskie. So. You know, that's what I was telling Derek. Um, buddy of ours, Derek Hollis, catch, that's like he chases muskie, catches oh them all God. the time. Yeah, he's always but catching. he lives closer to the muskie lakes. You know, for us to go chase muskie, it's an hour drive minimum. Yep. I could be on Lake Erie in 12 minutes. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of hard. And, and I've come accustomed to that offshore experience where I don't really get that inland, you know. And that's yeah. really what I'm after. I started out with the bass fishing, you know, and going to the smaller lakes and stuff before I started going out on Lake Erie and feeling comfortable enough to do that. Um, you know, it, it's fine. I, I like bass fishing too. Some people don't like it at all, but I, it's still fun to do. But again, Lake Erie is the closest body of water for me. So it's easier to go out if it's nice weather and fish for steelhead or walleye or right. something like that. You know, I'm sorry. I'm with you guys on the big water. Um, I, I don't know. You know, we obviously don't have salt water accessible to, to us where we're at, you know? So, right. um, but I love that feeling on a big body of water where you never really know what's on the other end of the line, you know, right. You drag three rigs all day and you, you might catch a steelhead. You might catch a monster walleye. You might catch some white bass. You might catch some big old drum, catfish, you get into right. big catfish. And that, that's what, you know, I was so impressed with Erie about, you know, we went up in May and had a phenomenal trip. Um, I'd been there for bass fishing tournaments. Like there's the East West Harbor event for KBF. And I'd been going to that for a couple of years straight. Not, not as a competitor. We have, a, we have team members that go up and, and I, I shoot some video. So, um, you know, I'll go up and fish except on the tournament days. And then we kind of shoot some video and whatnot, but I'd never really experienced it. Mostly because, you know, all the guys that I've gotten to know through the business, they're all so singularly focused on bass fishing that, that getting someone to go out walleye fishing is, you know, yeah, right. well, what, what's that? You know, come right. on, man, just try it out. It's not hard. You just, you know, I know what I'm doing. Come on, let's just let's just go go try it out. Right. And so we, we went back this uh, this spring and and I had a I had a blast. You know, we caught a ton of really good walleye. Um, and then we got into a really crazy, uh, drum bite as they were just starting to make that like thumping noise where they're like getting into spawn. Right. I mean, my arm was wrecked for a week from those fish. And that's exactly what I want to feel like when I get back from a trip on the last day, you know, my arm was so sore. I'm like throwing the rod between my legs and cranking with one hand, uh, you know, cause like, you're just, you're spent on it. Cause it, you get into those fish and, and I mean, we probably caught 60 or 70 of them between, you know, it was just me and uh, I don't know if you guys know Dusty Yak or Dustin Murgia. Um, he, he was with me on the trip and we, I mean, we burnt up so many, so like, and big catfish too. And you got them on the troll, which was awesome. You didn't yeah. have to, you okay. know, you didn't have to soak, uh, soak meat or cut bait or anything like that. And uh, man, I was really impressed. And we were supposed to go back from November 1st to the 6th coming up here, but, unfortunately i'm gonna have to cancel that trip because i'm i'm too busy well <laughs> you know if you could did you sign up for the uh, tournaments yet i will i'm signed up for the 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 the, the walleye slam and then the, the fall the, brawl yeah 
That's good. Yeah. Well, maybe you could push the trip back a little bit and come, you know, the last week in November. First That's where most of, of the fish are caught anyways for the tournament winners anyways. They're like the last day or the last two days of the tournament, it seems. But. Well, you know, the fish, I mean, sorry. they gorge themselves. You know, they try to put on that winner, that feed bag. So, you know, you catch one fish now, you catch the same fish a month yeah. and a half later, it's, it's going to gain a couple pounds. Yeah. yeah we, we ended up, we had a big group uh, or ha- had a big group. Um, so we, we ended up, we found a place in Marblehead that was, it was an Airbnb and they had a gun range oh, on wow. the property. Huh. So the, the only week, they, the only dates they were available was first through six. That's why it's like straight in the middle of the week. Um, right. You know, so I was really excited. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I shoot a little bit, but I was, you know, I was bringing my dad and some of the guys from the shop who are all, they were, they're all gun nuts. I'm, I'm a, I'm a shooter, but I wouldn't call myself necessarily a gun nut. I'm, you know, I like meat in my freezer. That's about it. You know, so I, I, I making holes in papers, like eh, whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that was kind of the, 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 the timing, what we based the timing around, but we were planning on doing it on the, on the boat as well. Um, uh, which I, I hadn't been on, on Erie on a boat either. You know, we, we were kind of a, a little locked into, you know, Sandusky Bay there. Um, because the, you know, we had a really bad, uh, wind out of the North when I was, when I was up there. Um, and as you know, on that far side of the lake, I mean, it gets even like a six or seven mile per hour wind sometimes up there in Marblehead, it gets really snarly. Um, and so we kind of avoided for, for a day or two, we avoided, uh, getting out on Erie proper into the islands there on the outside of Marblehead. Uh, but we stayed in Sandusky Bay where I was sure I was like, Oh, we're not going to catch any walleye in here. This this water's too muddy. It's too shallow. These fish don't want to be here. And, and no problem. We, we caught walleye every day and bass and drum and like the, the whole gamut. And I, I was so impressed with the fishery. I, I thought, uh, you know, it, Lake Michigan ends up being, you know, that's, that's what's close to me. And that ends up being more of a, you know, trout, trout and salmon are really like kind of the species every now and again, you'll run into something stupid, like a big muskie or a really big pike or a giant channel cat, you know, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. But you kind of know what you're going after and based on where you're fishing, you kind of know what you're going to run into. Uh, but you know, Erie was totally different. It was, it was just like a grab bag. And, uh, and I like that I'm multi-species, you know, I love, I love taking some stuff to the dinner plate. I I'm a sport fisherman as well. So anything big that's going to tug on the line is, is fun for me. And, uh, sure. I just love that fishery and I, I can't wait to get back. Yeah. Right. What's the species making a comeback? I was going to say, um what in erie yeah yeah they're starting to see a couple of them i don't know i was just going back to the whole you don't know what's on the end of your line thing but yeah sturgeon sturgeon's probably like the biggest fish that i think you could probably pull out of the lake and they were almost extinct i think and they're now making a comeback but i kind of like knowing i'm not going to pull out a shark or like an alligator (laughs) is going to come up and like try and get my catch right at the side of the boat or something (laughs) i think you guys are actually having uh now natural reproduction of lake trout in in erie as well i read that some somewhere earlier this year and those are those are fun man and and uh you know, the 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 kind of the topography you have there makes them you know pretty easy to target because catching you know catching lake trout's all about just banging cranks on the rocks you know just you know dragging a downrigger ball you know if you're on a boat 
but you know, just, just dragging cranks over the bottom. And, and it seems like, and that's, a, that's fun. We, we get a, we get a really good lake trout bite almost year round up here where you can catch them even, you know, even less than a mile out from the harbors. You don't, you know, a lot of the stuff by, by the time, you know, uh, May, June rolls around, everyone's fishing in 150 to 200 feet of water. And, you know, that takes you four or five, six miles offshore, which you guys fish big water. So you understand that we were, we were probably, that's, that's about three hours. To yeah. Get there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it, it is. And some days you, some days you're real confident in the forecast and, 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 and you like you, Hey, you're going to, you're going to roll the dice because, Hey, that's where they're biting. There's a great coho bite. You're going to head out to the, to the spots. And, um, but as you know, like that weather can sometimes change on a dime. And I've been caught out there before in situations that are, uh, you know, a little scary. And, and so, you, you know, you got to take that big water with a, a healthy dose of respect. Otherwise you're going to get hurt out there. I know, I'm sure you guys see it out there too. It seems like not more than a couple few weeks goes by before you hear about some uh, overturned kayak and this person's missing. They weren't wearing a PFD. They, they weren't wearing a, a dry suit. They, you know, yeah. And, and that's, I guess that's the kind of the sad end of our sport that you, that you, in, at least in the Great Lakes region that you're kind of confronted with, like pretty frequently. It's, 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 it's crazy how often it happens, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know, six months out of the year, generally we're in dry suits because of the temperature. Yeah. And well, you know that you get probably the same. Yeah. Um, we both went but, out today separately. I was in a buddy's boat, but we were, we were out probably five or six, I would think five or six miles and we were only in 60. We got to 70 feet, I think about towards the end of the day. And it's like, it is in the kayak. I feel with Lake Erie, it's where we're at, at least in the central basin, it kind of gradually drops off. There's no like huge drop to like deep water. So you're always tempted, like, Oh, we're in 50 feet. Like maybe we just creep out a little, but like to get well, any deeper, it's actually a once, pretty far distance. Once to you get, get to 50 feet, yeah, you're like, say, a because further. There, there are a couple of significant drop offs working your way to 50. You know, but once you get to 50, you're not, you're not dropping very fast. Yeah. Um, you know, and with a kayak, I mean, I usually set the limit at like two to three miles. Um, with a, If I'm with a client out there, probably a little bit closer, but that's why I have the Torquedo, you know, so that we can get in, get out quick. If the weather does change, I just hook up to them and I'm towing them at almost six miles an hour back. So, you know, it definitely opens up some opportunities for me, but I still wouldn't be out yeah. 10 miles offshore. Um, yeah, it's it's sketchy. <laughs> well, without without maybe like a friend in a boat nearby, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like mothership me or something, right? <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's a long ways out. Even in the boat, we were cruising. I think around twenty-seven or thirty miles an hour coming in, and it still seemed like it took forever. So imagine yeah. that at two and a half to three miles an hour. <laughs> it's well, a long run. You're in an old town, right? Chuck, are you running one of those autopilots and you're also running a Torquedo or are you running pedal drive? I have the pedal drive on there and the, uh, and the 1103 on the back. Gotcha. Um, the reason that I didn't go with the autopilot, I mean, it's a great platform, you know, and a good friend once told me, he's like, look, kayaks are like golf clubs. You don't go to the golf course and take one club. You go to the golf course and you take the whole bag because you're going to need something different. But with kayaks, there's a kayak for everything. You know, there's kayaks that are better in rivers. There's kayaks that are better offshore. Now, the the autopilot, and I might catch static for saying this, but the autopilot, it leaves some dangers out there because when that motor breaks, you're not paddling that thing back. 
you have to get rescued. Yeah. It doesn't paddle very well. If you're in two foot waves pushing against the wind, you're not going to make any progress. Hmm. So it's, there's danger there with the, the predator and, and uh, big water with well, the big water platform. Um, it paddles like a dream. It's got the pedal drive. And, you know, I, I even added the torpedo on the back. So doubt it will ever happen. But if the torpedo ever fails, I have the pedal drive to fall back on. And I use the Navarre uh, Kayak's uh, tool-free prop nut. So I pop my prop off real quick. I have a magnet sitting right there. So I set my sh- uh, spare shear pin on my magnet and, and my prop in, you know, right there. So if I need to, if something happens, I have that prop on in 30 seconds and I'm moving. You yeah. know, I can use the torpedo for... Um, the rudder and worst case scenario if those two things break I can paddle that thing in and out no problem you know it paddles like a dream Um, so you know it's all about safety it's all about safety at the end of the day it's optional to go out you know but it's mandatory to come back and you want to look at what are the possibilities well I've been out there with a kayak sinking you know I've been out there in four footers with guys flipped over I've been in these situations where I look at things a little bit differently, you know, and at the end of the day, it's not worth your life, you know? So like you said, we have to respect the big water and, you know, you want to, you want to just make sure that you're prepared. I always say that I really do think kayak fishing is safer, at least me personally, because I know I need safety gear to go out where somebody hops in a boat. How many times have you gone in a buddy's boat and you're just like, and even first trip of the year where I know it's cold outside and the water's still really cold. We hop in his boat. First time we put it in, didn't really check anything. You know, we have life jackets, cool. And we head out. And then as soon as we get heading out, I'm like, what if we go down on this thing? <laughs> like we're, we're in big trouble. Whereas when I'm on the kayak, I, I carry a, a, a wetsuit in the summer, even just in case I go in the water, I can throw it on. And I, then we, when it gets too cold, we throw dry suits on like all the time. Yeah, and so, Duca has actually – he came out with me on uh, December 26th last year when the river was almost frozen. So oh, for testing. He, he got his dry suit last year, was his first year, and I'm like, look, you know, you, you got to know what that experience is like. You don't want to be two miles offshore, go in the water, and not know how to handle it, you know, because it's, it, it's a different experience. Yeah. You know, so like, we, we got out there and, and tested, and it, it definitely boosts your, your confidence because you know that your, your dry suit's going to keep you dry and the underlayers are going to keep you warm. So if you do go in two miles offshore, you get back in your kayak and not get hypothermia on the way in. Yeah. I got to lose a little weight. My, my neoprene gasket is getting a little, uh, a little tough, the red rubber gasket around the throat. My wife had to rescue me out of my dry suit and I tried it on this winter. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I put it on. It's one of those, uh, Coke, Coco Tot, Coco, I can't pronounce the name. And, uh, and, and I, and I got myself into it, you know, contorted my fat ass into this thing. And, uh, and, and I come running downstairs with my hand on the gasket and I'm like, Hey, get me out of this. She's like, what's wrong. I'm like, I, I put on some weight. I'm like, I, my face is like, I feel like I'm turning blue. Oh my God. So Those gaskets get rolled up. Like, I feel like it, it really constricts on your neck. So I always, it was never bad. And, and, but you know, the one thing that an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable dry suit does too, is like, I didn't wear one, you know, this, this spring, but I was also smart enough. I was like, well, I'm not leaving the Harbor, you know, like we, we, in the nice thing in spring and, and, and fall, um, 
is that, you know, we have the fish running all the way into the harbors. So you're not, it's not like being a mile out or even a half mile, you know, in open water, um, you know, anywhere you're at, you, you know, if you're, if you have a PFD and you, you, you have a reasonable, you know, swimming, you know, level of swimming, you can easily, you know, you can get to a break wall or a pier or something yeah. like that. So we kind of stay in the harbors, but yeah, my, my fatness kept me in the harbors all, uh, all yeah, yeah. spring. You know, one thing, one of my buddies, uh, was out last winter and he was, uh, he was hunting, you know, they were hunting from the kayaks. He just had, um, you know, just coveralls, like coveralls and waders. Yeah. And, uh, and made a mistake, ended up going in. He had an inflatable PFD. The cartridge was never installed. Um, and inflatables don't really work in the cold anyways. But fact of the matter is he tried to swim the shore. He got about 20 yards and he lost function. He would have died if it was, if his buddy wasn't there, you know, shore was like 30 yards away. Yeah. He only made it 20, you know, so that's something to think about. If that water's 34 degrees, 36 degrees, I mean, how far are you going to make it? Yeah. Well, we'll even if it is a hundred yards from shore. No, for sure. Yeah, I know. When we tested, I had a neoprene. It's like a diver's. Like a uh, barclava? Yeah, balclava, like diver, but it's made for a diver. And I think it was only like two or three millimeters. And my body was fine because I had like five layers of clothes under my dry suit. But when my head hit that, even where the neoprene was, like instantly, it was just like pins and needles. So if your whole body's hitting water and you're feeling that your whole body like it's it's super dangerous but yeah. I, I haven't done a cold water re-entry in like 10 years yeah so that's probably on the list of things to do uh next spring is to get out there and, and, and flip it and you know go out there with no gear flip it and get back on it i used to be in better shape than i am now so uh, right. but yeah no I, yeah, I i i agree that it's uh you know, so it's, it's, it's foolish to be out there without the correct, you know, the, the correct gear, especially, you know, you don't realize it, you know, the, Oh, it's, it's warming up. It's spring, you know, it's 70 degrees out. Well, that water might be like 40. Right. Yeah. You're not going to like what it feels like. I guarantee you, you're probably going to piss yourself. Um, <laughs> if, if you're lucky, if that's all you do, you know, yeah, right. You, right. You, you don't know what it's like to be that cold that instantly until you, until you actually do it. And well, so, and there's the, there's that involuntary gas reflex too, you know. So if you're out there without a PFD, or you go in and you go underwater, where your body involuntarily get yeah. gas for air, you know, and it sucks in that cold water and you drown instantly, you know. So you don't even have a chance to swim. Yeah. And I'm with you on the inflatable PFDs, man. I don't know why people use those. It's uh, you, you hear that story so many times, and you hear guys oh man man mine blew up because my boat was all wet and i left it uh, i left it in the you know and then i forgot to replace the cartridge or i went in the water and it didn't blow up it's like why are you even taking that risk why are you just going to trust this thing it's if it fails that's a lot that's on the line uh you know why not just you know i guess i, I know it's a little bulkier to 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 wear a wear a standard pfd but you know I don't even know what I'd do without it because I'm so used to like putting my phone in there or, or right. you know, like, you know, baits that you're going to need that you need to get at right away. Just the stuff that I want to get at is all, you know, always right here on my chest. Right. Um, I, I don't even know, you know, I've no, I have them on my boat um, to be compliant, but you know, I, on the kayak, I would, I would never ever trust a, an inflatable. And I always kind of, 
I kind of give the side eye to everyone that wears them. You know, it's it's if you're bass fishing and it's like Tennessee and the water right. never gets below sixty oh. degrees. Good yeah. go for it. Speaking right. of uh Hallis, you know, wasn't that him who went in the weeds? You know, oh, it was yeah. like a nice like warm lake. I think probably muskier bass fishing. He went in the weeds and like got kind of tangled up in them. And I don't think he was wearing no, he he had his PFD on. Oh, you know what it's it's funny, I'll tell you something. So he, he had his PFD on, but he, he fell in the weeds and he was struggling because he was panicking. He'd never been in the water before. You know, there's, there's two types of kayakers, those that have flipped and those that will, right? So he's panicking and these weeds are pulling him down under the water. And he, he's like, I'm going to die. And he just, he stopped fighting and floated to the surface, got back in his kayak. Yeah. Um, but it was funny, like we were out at that muskie trip I was telling you about. And uh, we're sitting around the fire later on and Derek's chuckling and he's like, you know, he's, he's, so we were out there, there was five of us. And the two, ex- the two most experienced people on the water were the only ones wearing the PFD. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what does that tell yeah, you? Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> mind that. I don't know. I like it. You know, for, for us offshore guys, I have, I have an air horn. You know, if there's a boat coming at me, what's a whistle going to do? They're not going to hear that. Nope, I have an air horn. You know, I have my radio strapped to it. I have my knife. I have uh, a, a signal mirror and, um, you know, safety die and all that yeah. stuff, all my rescue stuff. Worst case scenario, I get separated. I mean, I need that stuff, you know, so radio phone. And on top of that, it, it keeps you warmer. Yeah. It does. <laughs> you know, it keeps the wind off you. And, and in the wintertime, it definitely adds some insulation. The thing that I find intriguing about the inflatables is to my knowledge, there's only one company that actually installs the cartridge before it leaves the factory. And, and what that does is that puts the liability on them. They're saying, hey, I trust my product. I'm installing it. It's ready to use. You know, so it's on me. Um, and that's that's Mustang. The All the other ones that, uh, to my knowledge, don't install the cartridge. They put it in the pocket. It's up to you to install it. Well, what's that do? It takes the liability away from yeah. the company. So if you die, the company's like, well, you probably did it wrong. You know, of course. And it's it that says something right there about the failure of a product, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you're taking something that's guaranteed to keep you safe, like a regular standard PFD. You can stab it and it's still gonna float. Sure. And you're you're putting a, a failure factor in the process. You know, it's yeah. very it's very dangerous, but Whatever, whatever people want to do, whatever makes them comfortable, you know, at the end of the day, I just try to bring knowledge and awareness, you know, that's what we do and, and keep people safe. And, uh, I'd for sure rather see, I'd rather see someone wearing an inflatable than nothing at all. Absolutely. absolutely. It's better. It's better than nothing, but I just think it's, I think it's foolish to trust your life to a CO2 cartridge and an inflatable bladder. Right. It seems what, you know so much to go wrong there you know closed cell foam floats it always floats like you said stab it with your knife you know shoot it with your nine millimeter it, it doesn't matter it's still right. going to float and and that's the that's that's kind of it's like almost fail proof to a certain extent as long as you don't get entrapped you know under the kayak or something like that it's probably going to save your life right we will be back after the short break brought to you by keel armor Protecting your kayak investment from the harshest marine environments you can encounter. Check us out at Keel Armor at Facebook. So we kind of talked about 
that you're the owner of uh, catch products. Uh, hopefully people know what that means or what, well, what you make, but I think, I think it's, it's very interesting. You've been kayak fishing for 15 years yeah. and then you come out and develop a product that is, has become a, a staple in the tournament industry, mm-hmm. um, or the, the, the kayak tournament fishing, um, because it's, it's reliable. Uh, so, you know, yeah. really want to kind of know the backstory, like how did, what inspired you to, to do what you do? It was, um, an excuse to my wife to keep fishing as much as I was, um, you know, before we came out, I told you, yeah, <laughs> a business trip. Um, the, uh, you know, my, my wife was, you know, we, we were, we had gotten married and, and, and then she was pregnant with our first kid. And, you know, I was kind of getting the screws put to me about, you know, you can't be out fishing 200 days a year. We got kids, you've got a business and, um, you know, at the, at the time our business was just a machine shop. I, I'm an automation engineer. So we, we do, we build some automation. Um, and we also run a machine shop and my business partner is the guy I, uh, musky fish tournaments with. So, oh, nice. um, you know, we were both kind of brainstorming, you know, what, what can we do? You know, our wives would lay off us just a little bit if we could have a legitimate business excuse to go fish, you know, five or six tournaments a year. Right. And so, you know, he, he, I, I, the bump board wasn't even my idea. Um, he, he, he's like, what about a bump board? And I was like, what the hell's a bump board? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, it's a, he's like, it's a, it's a device for measuring fish. I'm like, yeah, you buy a tape measure for six ninety nine. What, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you know, he's like, like the, 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 the big bump boards we use for the muskie events. And I was like, I'm like, do they, I'm like, but I'm like, as far as I know, Muskie's the only one that does, you know, catch photo release, you know, I'm like, and those guys don't make us use like any specific brand or I'm like, I just don't see the upside. He's like, you're missing the upside is that our wives won't ask questions. <laughs> go musky tournaments. So the first products we made were actually musky. And then, you know, the, the, the initially at least, uh, you know, because of the, I think there's, a, there's always, you know, there's a big cross section of musky fishermen that also fish walleye. I think that's a, there's a, fairly big crossover there so um there's a lot of little local walleye trails and they kind of took notice and said oh can you make something smaller we'd love you know we'd love a product and so that's kind of where we started and i had been fishing out of a kayak all this time and i was just you know unaware of like cpr and kbf and at the time there kbf was kind of the only show in town there wasn't the hobie bass open series and bass wasn't involved in kayak fishing yet um but I, I wasn't even aware of it. And then that was kind of like the aha moment was, oh, so someone showed me that, you know, KBF and then I'm, you know, I'm online and I'm looking at these, you know, bump board pictures and I'm like, is that, wait, is that guy drawing on, did he draw those lines on that board with a sharpie marker? <laughs> oh, <laughs> this isn't right. This isn't right right here. Right, yeah. And that was kind of where the skepticism started. Um, and, and a lot of the, the way they build that product, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of variables in the way they build it. And so that not everyone is exactly the same. Um, and, and I mean, I don't know how many bass tournaments you guys have ever fished out of a kayak, but it's not uncommon that it comes down to like a quarter of an inch. Well, you know, if my, if my, if your board's like an eighth of an inch shorter than my board, that's a significant advantage, you know, over five fish for, for a day, it's more than a quarter of an inch sometimes. So, 
um, I kind of saw the opportunity to, to, to be involved there. And, you know, I, I pulled enough strings to finally kind of uh, introduce myself to Chad Hoover. Uh, and he, lo he loved the product and he straight away approved it. And that was like, when he approved our product, that was kind of when this like, you know, fairy tale, like excuse to my wife business actually be became a real, a real business. And, and, and after the national championship in 2018, it's been my uh, full-time gig ever since. Nice. You know, awesome. I, I'm not much of a tournament fisherman other than the, the walleye tournaments on Lake Erie. Um, but I, I came across your board because I bought a couple of those hog trawls and you catch a big fish, it slaps its tail and the thing's in two or three pieces. Yeah. You know, and then you go spend another $20 to catch uh, one more fish and it breaks again, you know, or, or it breaks when you're putting it in the car. Yeah. I broke mine in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, and, and at the time you had only had the aluminum board out and for me, you know, it's, it's a little heavy. Um, I carry a ton of gear. I'm I have it. I mean, I have the, I don't know if it's a custom one, but it's, it, I mean, it is a, it's a substantial unit to have. I mean, but I like it because I'm not going to break it. I bought it, you know, and I like this is something I'll have forever until I drop it to the bottom of the lake. But I have a tether, you know, but came with a tether. So I always have it tethered now to my kayak. So hopefully right. that doesn't happen. Well, you know, the, the <laughs> funny thing is like they came out with the catch carbonate and I'm like, that's perfect for me. You know, that's, that's perfect. It's yeah. lightweight. You guys came out with that video where you dropped it from the uh, from the boom and ran it over with the truck. And I'm like, yep, that's what I need right there. You know, is, and, that, a, uh, is that a special kind of like proprietary plastic or carbonate? Mm -hmm. I mean, like I won't it, tell you exactly what yeah, it is. But yeah. It's a it's a, <laughs> it, it's a blend of polycarbonate. So um, like the, the brand name uh, like that you'd recognize is a, a brand called Lexan. Lexan is what they use in bulletproof limousines and oh, wow. at gas stations. You know, you see that half inch thick glass that'll yeah. stop a stop a large round. That, that's what it's made out of. Um, and it's a blend. You know, there, there, there needs to be a little bit of compromise uh, in order to, you know, it, it does have a little bit of flex to it. And that's actually by design, because if we made it dead rigid, what would happen is eventually you'd put enough weight on it and it would be just like the, the, the hog trough where it yeah, would just yeah. snap. it'll hit its breaking point and snap. So that's, that causes, you know, that's why we needed to blend it with another material, but it's a, it's a polycarbonate blend. Um, and the truth was it came about because, um, you know, we were making an, a, a push and we're still kind of making a push to get into ice fishing, uh, you know, the ice fishing scene more. And, you know, the big complaint, at least the first time we kind of went out and tested with some ice fishermen was um, not so much if you're in a, if, you, if you've got a hut or a shanty to, to, to sit in all day, especially not if you're sitting there with a heater in your shanty and living in the lap of luxury. But if you're out on your, your snow machine and you're running and gunning from hole to hole, well, your aluminum bump board spends a lot of time sitting on the ice and you put a, fish on it and it just it just freezes to it so you know it was really a play to kind of get into ice fishing um and i was shocked when we you know we we built some prototypes that were just made out of solid uh you know solid polycarbonate and we we sent them out to some staff members and then as i as i always do you know a, a lot of companies that really want to keep like what they have going on or secret and you know i've found that you know what like social media is like the cheapest R&D ever. You want a bunch of really high, like people that are going to scrutinize like 
over your product and tell you everything that's wrong with it. Oh, that's the place to put it. You know, we kind of put it out there. Um, hey, plastic board, it's going to be around a pound. We're hoping to retail it around like 30 bucks, you know, and, and I, I expected that, you know, ice fishermen would kind of gravitate towards it. And it was the kayak fishermen that were like, oh, that's awesome. So we, we you know, we kind of ended up with another skew for the, for the kayak market. And we're still, we're still kind of trying to, you know, get some brand awareness in, uh, in ice fishing that kind of hasn't come along, but that was, it was really designed for that. It wasn't, you know, we weren't thinking like, Hey, lighter, a lighter board for the, for the kayak or, you know, that really wasn't what we had in mind. It was all kind of designed towards, uh, ice fishing. Right. Interesting. I saw you, you were coming up with, or have a float for the, is it the carb, just the carbonate or do you have one for the aluminum as well? Yeah, well, well, we might be able to, there's a new ALX, uh, the, the one that's all aluminum that doesn't have the black cradle on the outside. Okay, I have that one. That's, that's just too heavy. Yeah. To <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it would take such a big obnoxious piece of closed cell foam that you eventually now you're making the board so much more bulky yeah. that people are like, I'll just throw a tether on it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, but the, the new ALX, we can, we're, we've been working, um, we've been, we've been working on a float kit for that and we're, we're kind of close, yeah. uh, on the carbonate we have, a so we have a solution. My biggest problem is even this was, you know, this was predating COVID. So this was before all those problems was, um, was, was, was being able to like, uh, have a individually packaged adhesive that would both stick to the closed cell, uh, closed cell foam and stick to the, um, and stick to the plastic and the product exists. But if you know anybody in that business that will individually package, I I'm, I'm a, I'm a buyer, uh, because we haven't been able, able to find anybody that's willing to individually package the adhesive for us. So that's kind of been the, that's, you know, and for the guys that are looking for a shortcut, it's super easy. You either get half inch or five eighths. Uh, it's called caulking backer. Um, if you've ever done windows in, in your house or anything, you know, you're, you're aware of what caulking backer is. Um, and, and it fits right in the outside channel of that carbonate board. Uh, no problem. And, and that thing will float. Uh, it, it'll float like that all day. Um, and, and there's a lot of adhesive that'll work. It's not, it, it wasn't a trouble finding the adhesive. It's just a trouble with send an eight ounce bottle to every customer. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm going to send you a 12, you know, I'm going to send you a $12 bottle for like $6 with a foam, you know, and that's where that's, that's kind of where that, that, that whole, that whole kind of thing took a, took a turn for me. And we're still, we're still looking, you know, we're still looking for a vendor that'll do it, but it's, and right now, you know, we're right now presently, I'm not, I'm just, you know, hoping my vendors don't, you know, screw me over in the next, you know, year because everything's gotten crazy. Even the American made stuff, you know, we're, we're waiting, um, we're waiting like eight to 12 weeks on stuff that used to be a week or two lead time. Uh, and it's, it's extremely typical and, and every product we source is all domestic. So this isn't like waiting for it to get off a boat from China. It's just the, the, the repercussions of there's been so many people waiting with the supply line issues that now there's a lot bigger companies than catch that are sourcing us based. And right. so even though I've been doing it for four years, five years now, it, it, it's like kind of like back to the line. This guy's, you know, buying more product than you. Oh, yeah. Everything except for the aluminum. Aluminum has been really steady for us. We've been buying, you know, 50 tons of aluminum for so many years now that we, you know, we've kind of got that portion locked down, but 
even the polycarbonate for the plastic boards, even though that's a really high volume product, it's our highest volume product. Um, it, it, that was been on, that's been on shortage a lot of it because of like, they closed down the Keystone pipeline and, and, and a lot of the domestic oil production's gone down, which is, you know, people don't realize that, you know, they think about, well, oil's just the gas I put in my car. Well, no, your bump board's made out of it too. Yeah, and just right. about everything else plastic that you own in your life is, is a petroleum product. And, uh, it, the, the, the cost for manufacturers like us, you know, it, it's the, some of those products have doubled or tripled in, in cost over just the last 18 months, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's been a struggle. We're, we're doing great. Um, I've, I'm very conservative with how I estimate inventory and how, how we kind of operate the business. So we've, you know, anticipated some of these things. Um, but you know, as far as getting new, you know, we have a bunch of new products that are just, they're designed, tested, ready to go. And I just can't find vendors either. Someone's going to no quote or the prices have gotten so astronomical that it prices us out of the, you know, kayak, kayak anglers. I love kayak anglers. It's a, it's probably one of the most fun communities that I've ever been a part of. I I really enjoy spending time with them. Um, but they are frugal. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, th- there's definitely a price point where you have to be in this market. And, and you, if you don't hit that price point, maybe, you know, I mean, we did it with a bump board, right? We were three times more expensive than a hog trough when we came out uh, right. and that worked. But, you know, I, I, I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm sitting at the casino and if I keep rolling the dice, I'm going to crap yeah. out, you know. So I, you, you can't always come in three times more than what the market says. And, and some of the new oh. products like a. We have a cart. We the cart will be out in January, but we have a we have a milk crate system. Um, we've got we got a, several other products that are just kind of in the pipelines, and just getting anyone to build the parts for us is just really really hard, even domestically. It's not just China that's uh, that that's become a, an issue in in recent months. Right. Yeah. If you can't get it to China, the demand on the American. You know, yeah, everybody's American gonna do products that. Gonna are. Start searching for right for the same thing like you said i'm assuming if gmc or somebody wants a part they're probably gonna win over you guys at making bump boards they win every time even though i made automation for those two. <laughs> yeah you know one thing i found interesting i've been uh following like the fresh and salty guys out on the uh on the coast for a while that is and the that... coolest club in america oh yeah <laughs> You know they uh, they're 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 even more extreme than me. Some of that stuff they go out in the surf launches. It's like, yeah, those surf launches look insane. I uh, I've seen a lot go wrong, so I don't know I don't know how to do it right. I think I always see the fail videos. <laughs> <laughs> those guys, that that whole crew up there uh, out west is they're awesome dudes. They've been so they don't run any tournaments and they like other than like maybe one or two retailers in the United States, they buy more catch product than anyone else. Um, and, and, and they're all like, it's so interesting. Like they're lobster hooping, they're getting Dungeness crab. They're, you know, they're catching salmon out there and Sacramento perch and lingcod. And like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not a saltwater guy. I've always just kind of been attracted to freshwater. And I, I guess like, but, but the, the appealing thing when you see stuff like that is like, look at all that, like the opportunities that they have just like right there in the ocean. And it, you know, it kind of makes you wonder why you're a freshwater guy when you see all the cool stuff that they drag up. But that, 
that club has like been super supportive of our brand and the, I just love the philosophy. The guys that started the club are all about like, Hey, we don't care if you're a beginner, come on out. We're going to show you how to do it. Um, and, and like, I think the, you know, any, I mean, I, I think kayak fishing needs more of it, but I think any, any sport, any hobby needs more people that are willing to kind of pass on that knowledge because, I mean, you can learn so much on the internet, but what do you really know about the guy teaching it to you is, you know, maybe he just makes good videos. You know, he, maybe he doesn't know squat, you know, video editing can make a lot of things look a lot different <laughs> than they are. But right. those guys have always put their money where their mouth is and they don't run tournaments. They just, it's all community based. And I think last year they had like 300 or 500 some odd people at a beach, uh, you know, on the West coast, like, you know, and showing, you know, cooking. So they, so Kai Vang who runs that club or is one of the guys that runs that club, he buys boards from us and he, he, he puts a small markup on them and sells them to the club with like a logo and whatnot. And then they fund food and stuff and beer for all these events. And like that, to me, that's like that community, that level of involvement. I'm, I'm super jealous of that. We definitely don't have that in Illinois. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome what they got going on there. One, one thing that I noticed was that, uh, that church key. Yeah. That, that you're coming out with, which was pretty interesting. You know, I think the first time I seen it was, was through them. And uh, it led me to the post. You're like, you just made a really expensive bottle opener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't even work that well as a bottle opener. Truth be told, <laughs> that was kind of like, you know, we, we were just, you know, we, we, we knew there was other companies that made um, that, that make gauges, obviously, for yeah. for uh, shellfish and crustaceans and stuff. So, um, you know, we thought, you know, they weren't very accurate, but we, we also were very cognizant of like it needed to have cool factor to it. You know, it couldn't, you know, well, first of all, it needed to be not be just one gauge because that didn't make any sense. You know, we needed to be able to do multiple gauges on one platform. But the bottle opener was really just like I had this space and I was like, ah, just put a bottle opener there. And the truth is, like, depending on what bottle you have, it might not even open the bottle. So <laughs> but the gauges are all within five thousandths of an inch. And we actually manufacturing tolerance. it So it's always on the over. So you're always good. Um, you know, so it's, it's minus zero plus five thousandths is our manufacturing tolerance internally. So you're never going to run into a DNR agent. that's going to say, Oh, well, it's because your gauge is, is wrong. So, right. and so the, for anybody that doesn't know the church key is a, what is it? A lobster crab. It's, it's, it's Dungeness crab, rock crab and spiny lobster. But I'd say the majority of the guys, it's like right now, October 1st was their spiny lobster season. And that's what, at least those guys out in fresh and salty, like I, you see them catch crabs and stuff, but those dudes go all in during lobster season. And I've never had a spiny lobster, but from what I've heard, it's like way better than Maine lobster. Like it's supposedly like the most tasty lobster you can, you can get your hands on. I'm kind of bummed because one of the guys from fresh and salty – Andy Dibber and shout out to Andy. Um, he, he messaged me last night and he's like, dude, I'm taking Monday and Tuesday. I'm taking Tito Ortiz and Clay Guida out fishing. He's like, I know you're a huge MMA fan. I'll pick you up from the airport. You know, oh, wow. Come on in. And I was like, Oh, I'm too busy. Like, you know, of course. <laughs> yeah. The guy I was fishing with today, they rented a house in I think Key West and they were going down for crab season or something. It sounded pretty, pretty awesome. But, I've never done it and I got to get out and do it. I, 
I, you know, it's the one product that I, we've, we've made and I have, you know, zero, you zero experience, but yeah. I, you know, we worked with those guys and that, you know, if you don't, you know, one thing that's important is if you're, if you don't know something, be smart enough to know you don't know something and be smart enough to know the guy that does know something and ask the right questions, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of funny stories about like, uh, people getting DQ'd from tournaments for having like people are like bending boards, right? Like bending boards, board, modifying yeah, them. to like try and distort the picture or the, the well, measurement you know, on it. Unfortunately, anytime there's money on the line, there's going to be somebody that's trying to cheat, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, with our tournaments here on Lake Erie, uh, the, the winner actually has to take a polygraph. Yeah. Like they, they're very, very strict. I mean, there's, there's like hundreds it. of thousands of dollars of, you know, on the line. I just so, read they're doing two boats for the fall brawl this year. First and second place yeah. win a boat. Which That's what they did crazy. last year. Too. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. oh, and it's like it's like a hundred and fifty or hundred and sixty thousand dollar boat. I mean, it's like a three hundred horse on a war, like a twenty two foot warrior with like oh, yeah. the electronics and yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. I honestly, I wish that I wish there were. It wasn't just. Uh, I wish they'd get more into that in the in the kayak realm, or even some of those tag fish kind of tournaments where they do you catch the tag fish and you win. Um, mm. But I think people love that. And I think people love that um, recreationally. You know, it, it's it's not necessarily a tournament fisherman that comes up to compete in the fall brawl or the walleye slam, right? right. Yeah, it's right. Everyone that just thinks Erie's a cool place to go walleye fishing in the fall, and they're like, ah, 40 bucks. Yeah, yeah cool. I'm in exactly. 40 or 50 right. bucks. Like, 30. I could win a hundred grand. It's just like, ah, it's like a lottery ticket. And, and, yeah. and you know, you do it on fishing trips anyhow. How many times you've been on a fishing trip and be like, all right, everyone throw in 20 bucks, biggest walleye takes the pot. Yeah. You know, it, right. we've been, I've been doing that since I was like eight years old, you know, with my dad and my, my grandpa and stuff like that. And I feel like that's, it, it kind of has gotten into this like bass five fish in a day and um, you know, kind of philosophy, but there's a lot of fun to be had in events like that because mm. you don't feel the pressure to go out and perform every time you go out on the water. Uh, you just do your thing. And right. you know, if you sneak up on that, like 34 inch 15 pounder, well, <laughs> it's going to be a really good day and we're eating steak dinner tonight, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, and it does a lot for the community too. You know, both organizations, sure. all, you the know, state. politics and and all the other stuff behind them. Be aside, you know, both do a, a really good job giving back to the community. Um, you know, with food and and donations, and it's it's really an awesome thing to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, it helps the state. It helps fund the fishery and mm -hmm. like i mean people come one of them's, in one of them's giving away scholarships this year too yeah and, and, i mean it, it is it's it's a great it's a great program and you know instead of you know we're well this is the week of the national championship down in louisiana and they had 350 anglers show up which is it's a pretty pretty good turnout for a for a kayak tournament right how many guys are signed up for the fall brawl eight thousand last time i checked yeah i mean and that's like they it's a, it's a bigger way to kind of draw more people into the, into the sport side of, you know, into the sport fishing side of it. And, and there's a lot more people, there's a lot more kayak anglers doing it now too, you know? So. Um, and, and most of them are doing it safely. You know, most of them have dry suits. Hopefully the ones that don't are preparing to buy. Um, but the, uh, the walleye slam actually has a kayak division this year. They, kayak oh, really? 
didn't they? Yeah, they lumped us in with shoreline fishermen, which I mean, to be honest, kind of sucks for them because yeah, I feel like sucks for the guys on the boat. <laughs> we have we're basically a boat. We can go out where the boats are and yeah. not restricted to shore, but it's good for us. But I think the first place is twenty five hundred bucks or thirty five hundred. I don't remember. I think there's like, there's first, second, different third ways payout. you can win. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can still win that hundred thousand dollar boat too. So. Oh yeah, you can still I win. Mean, you know the. The grand yeah, prize is available for shoreline boat guys, kayak guys, yeah. you know, as long Just as you know how many kayaks you can buy when you trade that bad boy in. I got a fleet of a thousand. <laughs> well, I, I have a plan, you know, my plan, my plan, this is what's going to happen this year. I'm going to catch the winning fish. That's going to win both tournaments. Oh, I'm going to win both boats. That way I could keep one to, to scout, you know, for my kayak trips and then I can sell the other one and that'll just pay my way next year. You know? So like, well, for this week, for example, I had I had six trips booked this week. Lake Erie weather was like, no, you don't, you know, and then you then you move. It's like, well, let's move these here. Of course, this weekend's going to blow out again. So I have to move those trips, especially with a new kayaker. Like you can't take them out. I think it was 20, 30 mile an hour. Oh, yeah, it was, it was like, like 39 I mean, mile an I hour. <laughs> I, wanted, I was going to ask you about that because I've had a lot of people that have offered, Hey, I pay, I'll pay you. Will you take me out salmon fishing? And it's like, man, I'll take you out salmon fishing and I, and I won't even charge you, but you just got to wait until we get a West wind I, I, on the side of the lake. We're on. I just can't, I can't. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't have a captain's license. But, you know, I'm happy to take someone out and show them the ropes, but it's so hard. Like, I was wondering how you did the booking with that because, you know, again, you you, you could have, you know, like you said, six trips booked up and, and the weather doesn't cooperate. And it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it really comes down to just, uh, I mean, aside from the weather, there is there is definitely a line um, that I, I will not cross. But it depends on the client. You know, it depends on their experience. Um, you know, if there's somebody that's been offshore kayak fishing on saltwater, you know, or there's somebody that's been kayak fishing for five years and they're, they just want to get out on Lake Erie, you know, they have a little bit more experience than somebody that just bought their kayak, you know, three weeks ago. Um, so for, for the people that, you know, they don't have that experience. One less thing is the weather. They don't need to deal with chop. They're already trying to figure everything else out. But for the guy that's been doing it for five years, he's already got everything else figured out, you know. So throwing some chop in is actually beneficial because now he's getting the experience in rougher water. And I have some clients that that will actually ask for that to go out on a on a little bit rougher day. Um, Obviously, like I am not out there risking anybody's life by any means. Um, But you know, I'm all for gaining experience. You know, smooth seas never made a, a skilled sailor. So. The more experience that you can have out there, the more natural ability to read what's going on. Yeah. You and guys I, have any like inshore, like uh, not inshore, but um, like any sort of harbors or river systems where you can audible like for a guy that, you know, it's, it's rough out there. But, hey, we can we can go, you know, we can probably get some steelheads in the Cuyahoga or is that, I think that's right or. Maybe yeah, yeah. Cuyahoga's down there. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Great downtown Cleveland, and I, I don't think a ton of people fish that. It's more industrial. But it's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of, of uh, yeah. There. There's still a lot of nice rivers like the Rocky River. We go to a lot. There's steelhead there, and mm-hmm. then as you go out east, um, my my wife's from Shaker Heights, but I'm embarrassed uh, to say I've never fished Cleveland. So uh, I've never fished Ohio really. Every time I've been there, it's like with her and her family, and that's like one of those yeah. times like you better not go. Yeah, right. 
Well, I got some R and D, baby. We're we're gonna have to change that next year. <laughs> uh, for sure. We can fix that. I, I think um, I'm talking to the right folks for that. <laughs> oh yeah, but you know, like East Harbor, West Harbor, there there's Sandusky Bay. I mean, there's certain spots. Depending really, it depends what the client wants as far as fish. You know, steelhead fishing's great. Steelhead fishing's awesome if the conditions are right. Yeah, they're they're affected a lot more than um, like the walleye. The walleye are in fifty foot of water. They're like, oh, barometric pressure, whatever. Yeah. You know, steelhead are like, oh, the sun's out. Oh, there's I'm too not much touching water it. flowing. Yeah, oh, it's too milky. <laughs> so it, you know, it comes down to what's the best opportunity for the client. Obviously, the point is to catch fish um, while learning. You know, I try to teach them everything I know on on big water or give them a, a crash course on you know, how to fish big water. So when, when I shift inland, it's a little bit different. It's more like I, I need to find where it's guaranteed fish, you know, like I can go out on Lake Erie, catch walleye anytime, you know, but going over to, you know, East Harbor, West Harbor and chasing greenbacks. I mean, it's going to take me a week to pre-fish for that trip. So it's It's a little challenging because I'm kind of I don't want to say stuck out on Lake Erie, you know, but. Well, that's what they're paying you to go out. I mean. Right. You know, so. I I don't envy that part of it at all because it is intimidating. I mean, like people ask to go out and you're like, oh, that'd be cool. You're a cool dude. But I don't want to be your babysitter out there either. Like I want to be out there and have fun. Now, there are certain people you probably would go out and do that with. But I mean, like, just well, for me, that kind of is my job, you know, like they're coming to me because they they want the experience and the knowledge. And, you know, I've always been a pretty good teacher. Um, So I just I I learn every trip. I mean, I learn how to how to be a better guide every trip. You know, Um, like I was saying earlier, some some people will they're a little bit less experienced. They'll horse the fish, you know, starting out. And then at the end of the trip, they're fighting the fish and landing every fish they hook into. You know, and just developing the skill to, you know, say, hey, you know, don't don't horse it or maybe don't lean that Which far. Which is one of my least favorite things to hear. But <laughs> well, you, you taught me something, man. I, I like I because so I became aware of like what Chuck, what you were doing. Um, well, like when we just when we committed to go to Erie in like December of last year, you know, I started, you know, I, I, I'm kind of I think we were already Facebook friends maybe at the time. And then I started noticing you trolling for walleye and you were on Erie and I didn't know where you were, you know, obviously now I know it's like kind of the Cleveland area, but you know, I was like, okay, well, here's a guy who's doing it the same way I would go about doing it. And, you know, I kind of, you know, uh, uh, I'm not a, I wasn't a guy who was big on the snap weights, you know, using an inline weight to kind of drop the bait and, you know, you explained it in a live video very briefly. I think I sent you a message right afterwards. Um, but you, you, you explain it really well in a, in a live video about, you know, well, Hey, if you're running 60 feet, you let out 30, you set your, set your weight, let it out another 30. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. This is starting to make sense. And, you know, I'd use, I'd use dipsies and, uh, or, you know, dipsies and planer boards or all sorts of different combinations of stuff to, to get a bait down or lead core or copper or anything like that. But I was just loved the simplicity of using a snap weight um and 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 i would have never i'd have never tried that if it wasn't for you know watching some of your videos and how you explained it and i was like oh okay 
this is this is pretty easy and i like how adjustable this is i'm not kind of locked into something i'm not locked into like necessarily trusting the line counter only that it's kind of roughly accurate on the you know but right. I, I i learned quite a bit so i it was it was definitely helpful and you know day one out on the water we we caught walleye and and you know so thank you thank you for that you know i mean i've, I've fished walleye my whole life but um you know getting a bait you know getting a bandit or a, a salmo down to 30 or 40 feet well you kind of got to know what you're doing and, and a lot of the videos that you were putting out and a lot of the live stuff that you were putting on facebook was like super helpful for that oh yeah you know and, and you can you can even go further you know you don't have to use a snap weight on a on a deep diver a lot of times when the fish aren't biting i'll drop a snap weight on a shallow diver and run the same program, you know, or, or drop it way back. And just that different action, that the little bit of subtle action, that's, that's what the fish want. One time I want to, well, definitely this fall, I want to kind of challenge Chuck to do an inline weights with just like a six foot leader. Cause that's what we did today on the boat. That's what the guy that he kind of taught me, introduced me to walleye fishing, but we always run them with like a four or five foot leader with the worm harness. So they're there. You don't have to worry about like, taking them off right so like in the kayak if you're running a board and a snap like that's two times where you have to struggle at least i have an eight foot rod where i'm struggling to try and like get two clips off by myself in a kayak whereas if you have the at least the the weight you know within five feet you have an eight foot rod you could probably net the fish without you know worrying now how does that change the angle of the line and here's the thing when you put the weight eight feet in front of the bait now look at your triangle. It's a math equation. Yeah. Look at the triangle. So now that triangle is very, very, sh- you know, shallow, like gradually dropping down and then it gets to the weight and then it drops or, you know, the, then it, the dive, yeah. then dive like it. you have that, that gradual down. So when you put your snap weight at half the distance, now you have more of like, what is it? An isosceles triangle, or, you know, more of a natural like triangle there. No comment. These are three guys that don't need to be doing geometry. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Does that make sense? Like when you move the weight to the bait, yeah. you're taking that effect to bring that line down quick. And the diving, then, you're, you're reducing once, the diving effect of the bait. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. once, once you get yeah. that snap weight down and then the bait actually starts at 15 foot or 20 foot, and then it starts making its dive. But do you there. think you decrease the dive of the bait? Cause it's still in the water pulling on that same bill as opposed to where the weight. You well, know, you have, like, you have a little bit of resistance on that snap weight. weight. Down. I don't know. So you know, it's something it, I want to try and maybe play with to see if he's killing me with well, the snap weight. Jesse Akins just bought a fish hawk. So okay. we are, it is game on. Is have game you, do on. you guys run down riggers at all? Speaking We're of fish hawk. Not yet, but he just, yeah, we were just talking about, we went out with him a couple of weeks and we were talking about the fish hawk. He must have splurged on that. Well, like one of the things, you know, I don't have a, a dive chart for this, for my snapway program that I run, you know, and there's boat guys that'll call me an idiot because I'm not running the 50 50 method and I don't have 50 foot out and then 150 foot out, but kayak anglers don't need 200 foot of line. Yeah. That's just a disaster, you know. So I'm curious, I want to use that, that, um, fish hawk to actually set it oh, and get it and make a dive chart for those 2020 and 40 40 and 60 yeah. 60, you know and and have something that i can say hey here's 
here's what's actually going on. Cause at this point, I mean, we're just guessing, you know, you, you do 25, two ounce, 25. I mean, is it going to catch the fish? Well, you see the fish. Well, That's... did it come up five feet? Did it come up 10 foot to get it? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's very intriguing, but that's the fun part about fishing is just throwing darts at the wall. And it's like, oh, wow, I learned something from that. Well, see, I, got, I have live scope on the boat. So <laughs> the, 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 thing that, that, the thing that really helped me was being able to like, you know, I, I, I have a transom mounted. So it looks right into my spread because like I'm a troller. Like I'm a, I'm a hopelessly addicted troller like i just love trolling even for bass like i'll go fish a bass tournament and if they allow it i'll troll really because uh, that's just that's just my jam I, I i love that i love that uh that style of fishing and i hated it at first i hated it i was like oh trolling man you're not even fishing if you're not chucking and winding you ain't fishing but i just uh, it, like i started fishing with my business partner and and we did a you know we, we struggled for some musky tournaments and he's like, come on. He's like, let's troll. He's like, trust me. He's like, I'm getting more troll. And he's like, let's just try it out. And we had one really good, we had run really good event and we did really well. And I was like, Oh, I can try this on the kayak, but I kind of cheat because I'll go out on the boat with the live scope. And so I know my running depth. So I, you know, I put a good line counter out there. I got, I have like, fairly good idea like i use a lot of salmo hornets that's like my favorite bait i use the free diver as well um but where do they actually run and more more important than that where do they actually run depending on what line you're using uh because people just discount that all the time right well, you know i got i got 30 pound big game and i i'm only getting down to eight feet well, duh. you yeah. know like you, you gotta eat a line you know the yeah. model versus the floral versus your braid you know, and and I, and I run a lot of rigs, even during salmon season, where I'm only running six or eight pound um, on like a ten and a half foot rod. And as long as you manage the fish and you drag right. the right way, you can still land them. It's not. It's definitely not impossible. But for me, that that was really freeing to like figure out like, oh, that lot, going down in that line weight really affects the dive depth like drastically. Like you know, I'll, all of a sudden now I'm ticking the bottom in like 16, 17 feet, whereas before I needed to get in like 12 or 13 feet and I've done some confirmation on the boat. I kind of just like watching on the live scope where the baits are actually running and whatnot. But I asked you about the, the, the downrigger cause I've, I've kind of been like grappling with that. Like, Oh, it's yeah. super convenient. I've gotten away from the planer boards on the kayak. Cause I think it's, it's just, it's more, more work. And, and I'm using 10 and a half footers a lot. So I just run 10 oh, and wow. a half footers out of either side and then I'll run like a seven foot rod. Uh, right down the center and I still got a good spread and I'm not really worried about the outboard noise spooking the fish but you know as far as getting real deep you know there, there's places that aren't too far from from uh, the ports where we're close to where you know if, if I could get the bait down to 90 you know 80 90 100 feet which obviously isn't really possible with the snap weight unless you've got like a mile of line behind the behind the back of your boat um, you know I, 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 I'm kind of interested in you know the saltwater guys use them, but I don't know any real freshwater guys that are, are, are kind of going that route. And that's why I'm always asking, like, do hey, you have any luck with a downrigger? I can, I can put you in touch with a couple of guys that are running downriggers out by you. I was listening to a podcast from some Canadian guys and they all seem to be running. They're like, you know, commercial, you know, 
charter yeah. captains, but they were all running downriggers and talking about all that stuff. But yeah, all the boat know. guys out around here run them. It's just that, that you don't really see a lot of kayakers that run them in uh, in, in freshwater. You know, there's, I know a lot of guys in saltwater that'll run them, but I just I don't I don't see it very often in freshwater. And like I'm like a I don't know. I kind of needed to hear it from the horse's mouth. When you find someone that can do it, you know, I just kind of want to know. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, um, there's a couple of guys that fish Lake Michigan that run downriggers sometimes. I've never done it. I mean, there's definitely some point where we're going to have to, or where I'm going to have to, because yeah. you don't drive more what, than 30 what else? minutes. Yeah, what else can you put on that boat? <laughs> like when I when I want to go fishing somewhere, I call our other buddy Jesse Akins because <laughs> he'll drive wherever. <laughs> he'll he'll drive eight hours, come fish Erie for five, and drive back. He lives home, in Indianapolis, you know? and he probably fishes Erie more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, you should be ashamed of yourself. I am ashamed. I'm gonna go cry after we're done. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Some um, people are just diehard, man. I mean, I, I'll go out in different well, weather. I thought stuff, he was but... diehard. When I'll I go out in any up. weather, but you know, this guy did swim with me in, in 31 <laughs> degree water Just, or 33 degree. Uh, but but then you know, summer came and he's like, Oh, dry suit season's over. I'm not That's fishing false. anymore. I was renovating my kitchen, but that's why I didn't fish. But anyways. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I said where to fish at. <laughs> right. Oh man. Anyways. Yeah. Dry suit season's here again, so he's ready to fish now. It's still in the same spot in the, in the garage, too. I looked at the gaskets, they're a little chalky, so I'm hoping some 303. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I haven't, don't, don't tell anybody. I haven't put 303 on my gaskets in a few years. Whoops. I need to do that this year, though. Yeah. Um, I did look at it, though, so that's a step. Yeah. So, you know, I was going to ask you, what's this kind of off subject, but backtracking a little bit what do you what troll trolling speed do you uh usually troll for bass so bass are more finicky um it like i'm typically it's not much different than what you're doing for walleye you know on the really slow side i'm like one six one seven oh really um that fast, more, huh? more typical is like two one two two wow. uh, but but like uh for instance, like, um, and it's not black bass, but I, there's a place called Newton Lake in Illinois, which is probably the, just about the only fishery other than Lake Michigan in Illinois that you ever want to come here to fish. Hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fantastic bass fishery, but the, the white bass bite is insane. It's awesome. Um, and, and I've found where you, you really have to fast troll them. And, and, and actually, you really have to kind of like work the trolling motor so you slow down and then you accelerate and then that really is like what what triggers the bite and sometimes as fast as like three or three and a half and you know musky depending on what we're baits we're trolling we'll we'll troll up to like six or seven miles per hour um but you know that's again that's just a weird species and that's not you know necessarily like i I wouldn't tell i wouldn't ever suggest to someone like hey go grab a flicker shad and drag it at seven mile an hour like (laughs) You might catch a muskie, but you'll probably catch not a damn thing. Yeah, right. That bait will be flying out of the water, it flying seems, back at you. Yeah, like yeah. So it, it's off a lot. Like when you're fishing shallower water, you mean feel like you'd be getting snagged and broken off. You know, trolling. What that fast? Well, just trolling in general. 
in shallow water, like we're always out where we're not going to touch anything typically. So I'm, I'm pretty like, I love like kind of my bread and butter is like, I love like a, a, a lake where I can find like that really defined hard weed edge. Um, and then, you know, you, you, so you got your defined hard weed edge and then you got your little, like, like little, like little, little bits that are kind of sticking up that you, that'll kind of interfere with the bait. And that's like, that's the zone I want to be in. And, um, you know, for bass fishing, I'll, I'll drop it down to one rig and it's always in my hand. Um, so, you know, I, I love the Salmo Hornets because they come through, there's another, I use a live target makes this little bluegill bait, which if you've never tried it, it it's expensive. It's like 15 or 16 bucks. I, I, I hate myself. I want to kick myself <laughs> for buying it, Yeah. but it, it, it comes through the weeds like so well. Um, and, and as you know, I mean, anytime you can kind of get hooked up in the weeds and come out of the weeds clean, that's just like, yeah. a, it's like ringing the dinner bell. And so it, it, when I'm trolling for bass, that's, you know, I'm looking for that hard weed edge. If I can find a really defined weed edge and then like some sparse weeds on the outside, that's a perfect situation, especially for smallmouth. Smallmouth are way more likely to come out for a, for a troll bait than, uh, than the green fish. But, you know, I, I, I've caught plenty of, plenty of bucket mouths, you know, uh, trolling as well you know but that, that's probably a product of like that's what i like i'll default to that like i'll go out and cast in the morning if i'm fishing for bass i might cast for like a couple hours in the morning you know chuck some pop water right at dawn and yeah. like, once that kind of bite starts dying down that's it i'm i'm looking for spots where i'm looking for the right depths i'm looking for rock bottom i'm looking for the weed edges uh and, and i'm and i'm trolling i just i'm, I'm hopelessly addicted to trolling <laughs> You know, one of the best things about it, you cover more water. You can see more of the lake and, and get a better idea of the fishery and where the fish are and when they are, you know, where, when they're there. Yeah. I mean, you got to find, I, I, I truly believe that, which a lot of people do, but you got to find the fish and find out where they're at, especially with walleye. And you got, before you just start dragging stuff through the water, it's nice to know there's fish down there. Maybe you bite. Right. The big, the big thing for me with trolling is, you know, most lakes you can run two. A lot of the lakes around here you can run three, and so I get to put three presentations out there. They're never the same thing, at least not in the beginning of the day. Ideally, if it's a good day, they're all the same at the end of the day because it's one yeah. pattern that's like outperforming the rest of them, you know. But um, you know, I, I love the ability to put like three presentations at one time, and unless I'm following up they're in the water 100% of the time. I'm right. not casting and casting again. And, and then you, you think about casting, like, well, I cast it out and I return it, but like, you're only at that optimal depth for a third of the cast, maybe in a, like, if you can really chuck it out there. And I love running those little small Salmo fours, those Hornet fours. Um, and, and it's good luck casting, even on a 10 and a half foot uh, medium, like light action rod, like, it's hard to just really chuck those things really far away. So you're only getting like, you know, you, you, there's all that time that the bait's out of the water. There's all that time that you're casting and then you're cranking it down to depth. And then by the time it gets closer to the boat, it's coming back up and you're just not getting that presentation that you want. Whereas you troll three baits, I can kind of set them where I want them and I, and I can kind of figure it all out. And I like the scientific kind of element of that. Like the let's, let's, let's change colors. Let's change sizes change depths and, and eventually you'll you'll come up on something that that works for you you know or more often than not i don't often get skunked trolling it's uh not nearly as often as i get skunk casting <laughs> <laughs> yeah well what, what kind of kayak are you in 
I'm in a uh, I'm in a Hobie PA14. I run a uh, I run a 24 volt motor guide XI5 bow mounted, um, and I and I love it. I, I I love it for big water. It's a it's a great platform. Um, I have you know I, I've probably got like 15 kayaks now at this point. You know, but the, my yeah. my kind of preferred. I do a lot of strip mine fishing when I'm bass fishing, and I, I I'm in a I'm in a Crescent Crew right now, and I, and I love it. It's a it's a it's a great boat, lightweight, enough space for a long legged guy like me. Um, yeah, I was, I was in a bonafide before that. Those crescents, I haven't seen. I'm not familiar. They look like they're built really well. Like the quality of the plastic, it just seems nice. like it's it's very nice. Yeah. I went down to Yak Gadget, seen John Thomas, and he had one there. Definitely, yeah. There, it's an it's an impressive boat. It's an all American made boat, and. uh They've got a lot of cool new stuff coming down the pipe. So uh, oh. th that's a that's a that's a company to keep an eye on. They're kind of like transitioning from more of a recreational kayak brand to a fishing kayak brand. But they've got, you know, Scott Butcher and uh, Drew Gregory are kind of leading the, the charge kind of to, to, you know, really, really dial in. the. I mean, they just did that CK, uh, the CK Venture. that was the new model. I haven't been in that boat, but that's kind of more like dialed towards fishing um but even the the boat you know the, i'm in a crew i've got an ultralight as well and uh both of them are, are really fine fishing kayaks you don't necessarily want to be out on big water but if you want to have the ability to actually paddle a boat and enjoy paddling it right it 100 anybody that says hey you know i'm a kayaker but i kind of want to fish out of a kayak what kayak should i be in boom crescent 100 like that's, you don't even need a demo. Just go, go, go buy a Crescent. Most of the time I'm like demo, demo, demo. But if that's your, if you're that guy that fits into that mold where I kayak before I kayak fish, right. that's what you want. Because as you know, paddling any of these boats, it's always a give and take stability or tracking. You can't have them both. Um, I think the Crescent is kind of like right in the middle of that balance where it's going it, it, to, it really tracks the way you want it to. Um, you really want to pick even like a touring kayak, you know, kind of tracks like a touring kayak, but you know, and it's, there's enough stability so you can stand up and take a leak, which is, that's, that's always my big uh, litmus test. Like if I can stand in it to take a leak, cause I troll, I don't care. You know, I, what, what do I care about standing? I'm not standing and casting. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. I don't vent. Once it gets too cold, I don't want to go in. So I always sit, I always sit down. <laughs> Yeah, I like to work my core. Stand. Yeah. I was actually I was running my torpedo at six point. Uh, I was going about six point four down Leesville. Really standing. Oh geez, standing. I had, I had oh, it set gosh. like perfectly straight so that I could lean left or right oh, to gosh. turn. Dude, I was just cruising down the lake. Uh, that's why you didn't catch any muskie. You're out there jacking around. I, I was <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't matter if you catch anything. It's just the experience. Right. Yesterday he's pulling a freaking boat in that had motor trouble with this freaking kayak. It's pretty funny. Well, you know, I look at it like this. This is a massive lake. And, you know, we kind of have to look out for each other. So oh, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're a boater, a kayaker, a jet ski, or a shoreline guy, you know, like we, we gotta look out for each other. So I I seen them, they were smoking at the end of the at the end of the river, at the mouth of the river, the boats are just smoking. So I'm like got to go see if he's on fire you know so i motor over and he's just overheating i can smell the antifreeze um and uh 
So I just towed him in. You know, I would have taken on, him to his coast. He's like, no, he you, how are you going to tell me? River. He's like, <laughs> you're going to tell me with that? I'm like, yeah. I was doing almost three mile an hour towing that boat. Oh, that was a, probably a 20 foot. You're like, don't worry about it, bro. This is good content for my Facebook page. Rips, right. <laughs> rips a cigarette. Don't you worry about it, Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> These guys were old timers. He was taking a picture. I swear it looked like they were going to kill him. Like no, the, <laughs> that's what he said. I was laughing because like, These dudes I went gonna... to take a picture and they put down their phone real quick because they were ashamed they were taking a picture. <laughs> oh, geez, that's funny. Yeah, it was good it was, content. Though. It's, it's funny. No, I mean, it was good karma, you know, first and foremost. Sure. And, uh, you know, like we got to respect each other and take care of each other. You never know when I might need assistance. Sure. So, sure. We carry VHF radios. Is my radio going to reach the Coast Guard? I, I, I don't know, but maybe it'll reach a nearby boat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you always want to put that karma out there and uh, just be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Especially like half the people, half the boaters out there, you know, like there's a Cleveland Yacht Club right there. And some of the boats are pretty expensive boats. And you, they give you they give you some pretty nasty looks, you know, or you wave to them and they just kind of act like, you know. When you drive by in a green their... moon suit, <laughs> like, what's he saying? So I'm always trying to win them over. You know, I, yeah. I'm always trying to create a good name for the kayakers the problem is is there's a lot of new recreational kayakers on the water and they're pissing off a lot of the boaters you know and unfortunately it's just yeah we i think all the new kayakers need to take a big long lesson before they buy their kayak and ramp etiquette because right. most of it's not on the water that they piss off boats the boat can get around you he gets to the spot quicker um right. it's it's when it's when you're like you pull up your Prius with your, you know, two kayaks <laughs> and, and then you're like pulling them off and then and you're then rigging all them all up there. there. You know, it's like, no, man, it's like you don't understand. A guy on a boat, he's off the ramp in one minute. That's how much time you have. You, you either dunk those boats right away. And if you can't dunk them right away, you load them up in your truck and you roll them down to the water. But that's that's called being courteous because the, the, these boaters are they're, they're doing it all the time. I mean, the jet skiers aren't, but. Yeah, I've, still, I've still got a hundred bucks in my wallet for anybody who can back a jet ski trailer right up to the la- the launch first try. <laughs> hey, I can do that. Yeah, I think I think it's both. I think you got a ton of new boaters because boats are also in high demand. And yeah, not really available, and you got a bunch of kayakers. So just don't don't take it for granted that people know the laws and know what they should do, and just steer clear when you can yeah that's what i tell my clients out there you know a lot of people will argue that we have the right of way well at the end of the day are you going to argue that you have the right of way when you're dead (laughs) after they run you over we we had an event we had an event two years ago uh my buddy brock howell got run over by a boat oh wow yeah guy guy from indiana got run over at newton lake uh, by a boat um that's crazy jumped out jumped out uh, jumped out just, he said, he said like, he's like, it was like four or five feet from hitting me. I jumped out. The prop marks went right across where his legs would have been. Oh, my oh wow. Gosh. Yeah. Totally trashed his kayak. Totally. Um, but yeah, well, you know, it, it's, yeah, you it know, doesn't matter. Your right away doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, right. If, if you got no legs or if you've got giant gashes all over your legs, are you really worried about whose right of way it was? It might, yeah matter in a court of law but it's certainly not going to matter to your current situation you know? 
Right. Hopefully your inflatable life jacket safe. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I tell my clients, you got to spot the boats first, you know, especially on big water, on, on small skinny water. It's a little bit more of a challenge because the boat's on you before you even know it. Like they just came around the corner, but on big water, we could see the wake before we see the boat, you know, and if you see the boat, you know where the boat's going. You can see the direction. You can get out of their way way before they can even spot you. You know, even if you're being visible like we do, we have big, tall chartreuse safety flags, you know. But even then, until they get half mile on you, you know, they're not going to spot you. And they might be coming right for you 60 yeah. mile an hour. You never know. So just stay out of the way. And even the guys that are trolling, you know, the boat, the boat guys that are trolling, if I'm fishing near them or, or around them, like I always shift my direction, let them go their trolling direction, go behind them, you know, if I'm cutting out or something, because you know, at the end of the day, you just, there's no reason to get frustrated fishing. Like we're all, we're, we're out there fishing, smile, yeah, I mean, show some love we are fishing. and catch some fish. Six yeah. I've, never under, I've never understood that like animosity between boaters and, and kayakers. And it, 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 you're exactly right. Which is, you know, we're all doing the same thing. We're all, just, we're using a different method to get out on the water, but like, we're all just trying to get on the water to catch fish. So like, it's a right. kind of like a brotherhood, but there is like, there is that subtle, like, you know, unspoken, yeah. you know, animosity, I think, between boaters and, and kayakers, which uh, it's just, I think it's stupid, but yeah, who yeah. am I? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're just kayak anglers. We're speed bumps. <laughs> yeah. That's what they right. call us in the West. <laughs> <Basically. laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm out of questions. Yeah. Awesome. So if people want to find your uh, company, it's, is it just, Catch K E T C H. Yeah, it's K E T C H products.com uh, for the bump boards. We do, uh, we have a website also that I don't know if anyone's ever landed on. It's called catchoutdoors.com, uh, which is that's for our video production company. Um, we're not quite ready with the Erie trip, but it'll probably be ready by next month. So we're, we're, we're releasing a really cool, uh, we took, uh, we, Cody Milton took us uh, brown trout fishing on the White River. Uh, last December. So we've got a really cool trip uh, coming up at the end of the month. Um, that's, I, I think it's the best work we've done so far. And we're, we're really trying to kind of develop a show concept and draw a little more attention to kayak fishing in general. So, um, you know, ho hopefully draw some sponsor dollars and some, you know, s some attention to the sport because that's what makes it easier for guides like Chuck and guys like me who are selling product and, and, uh, and whatnot you know that's that's kind of the goal there instagram's catch i think instagram and facebook are catch usa but i'm not really sure um so yeah i'm, I'm not link everything I'm sure, yeah, in, I'm in sure. the description <laughs> i'm not good with that stuff <laughs> you know, there there is one thing that i i forgot to mention and I, I definitely want to talk about and that's that the new catch cart that you guys are coming out with um pretty intrigued about that you know there's catch products there's only a couple good carts on the market you know and, and uh yours looks pretty intriguing so it's it is it, it's the best cart in the segment uh we're going to be more expensive than the like just like just like i've always been it's going to be a little more expensive than the, the rest of the market but um it, it's the one that's not going to leave you stranded uh that that comes from me fishing strip mines all the time uh i was using off the shelf carts 
my good friend Dave Brook is a big strip mine fisherman. I, I go out with him a lot to the, an area called Mazonia, uh, which is like a series of, there's like 150 impoundments in this preserve. And so, you know, you can, you can definitely pull up on the road right to a lake and launch there. And then it's a really horrible place to fish. Uh, now you put your kayak on a cart and you go hike a mile and all of a sudden it's awesome. Wow. Uh, but it only takes being, you know, stranded out there, you know, a half a mile dragging, you know, dragging a, like a hundred pound boat through the grass because your cart broke. Um, you know, and, and we've tested that product since 2018. I, I built the first prototype in 2018 and it's kind of wow. taken me a long time to get it exactly right. But, um, it, it's, it's basically meant to be indestructible. So, uh, if, you, if you're going from like pavement, you know, if you're, if you're parking at the boat launch and just launching at the ramp, um, there's definitely better options, but if you're off the beaten path, it, it's the, it's the best thing going. Hmm. Now, are there sand wheels also, or does we a, we're going to have a sand wheel option, uh, a big balloon wheel option. We're going to have the heavy duty option, which is kind of the, the pictures that have been floating around, uh, which those treads are like four inches wide. So they're not sand tires, but uh, Dustin Nichols, who's a, a guide in Louisiana, um, out of uh, does about a lot of redfish, does a lot of salt stuff. He's been uh, testing it in muck and sand, and he says it, it works great. So I, I'm not sure that the balloon tires are necessary, but it's one of those things like the customer knows best. And like that's one of the feedback points we always get is like, oh, do you have balloon tires? So we will have a balloon tire option. And I think. Uh, we're also going to have an ultralight tire option because uh, the cart is, if you put the heavy duty tires on it, it's on the heavier side. It's, it's definitely very heavy. Uh, but with the, in the ultralight form, it's like basically the same weight as a normal cart. Um, and then uh, there's also going to be a tall wheel option. So a uh, 16 wheel option. Nice. If I can find a vendor that can get me the wheels. So uh, you know, I've never really been a fan of the balloon tires. Um, seems like when you have a heavier kayak with loaded down with gear, they just don't perform as well, or you get to the ramp and the thing's flat, Yeah, you know? And, and I've, I'm like you, man, I've, I've broken a cart on the way to the car and it's like, what the hell yeah, do I do now? Do now? <laughs> oh, it's, it's awful. There's nothing more frustrating. And luckily every time I've broken down, I've been with another friend and like, you just, you walk him back to the car, car he hands you the cart and you go back and you get it. And, and, and but, <laughs> You know, I, like I put myself in the shoes, like I fish here a lot by myself. If this happened by myself, you know, I got like 130 pounds of gear, kayak, all that, and, oh, and a broken cart. And now I'm dragging it back to the grass. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. I don't want to do this. I don't want to exert myself more than I have to. Right. So, you know, it's, it, it, it that's, it's, it, this was a product of necessity because uh, the bass fishing I do around here is kind of never off the boat ramp. Nice. Right. Mm. You know, I find myself using the cart less and less. Well, you know, I told you I, I had back issues at the uh, at the musky trip. So I've really been trying to work smarter, not harder. I try not to lift my kayak at all. I just put it on a trailer, bag it down, float it. You know, I, we if have you can, oh, wet, wet launch it if you can, man. That's the best way to go. Yep. You know, and, and with the Torquedo, at least it's it's enabled me to get to certain spots where you know, I'd have to beach launch to fish there. Um, on a kayak, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, at least on Lake Erie, because we have a lot of private land, you know, in between. And it's like, well, if there's 10 miles, how are you going to fish in between? 
you know, five miles down the shoreline. So you end up finding a beach and then beach launching. But yeah, well, I look forward was, to seeing it. Yeah, definitely want to look at that, Kurt. Awesome. Well, it was great having you on the show. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it was, it was a fun time. I know we talked about a lot of, a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. but. I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm always happy to do these things. I love meeting new anglers from, because I mean, we've texted and messaged before, but you know, this is kind of the first time I've ever put a voice to the face and the, and the, and the words and stuff. So yeah, it's, I, I, I love doing stuff like this. This is, this is what, you know, at least part of the reason why we do all this is to meet, you know, like-minded people. So. I can't get the yep. full effect. Who has a better beard? I can't see if yours extends. Oh, he's got a much better beard. Than oh, okay, this thing's yeah. horrible. This thing's oh, yeah. horrible. <laughs> uh, I need yeah. to. Uh, I need to go see my. Something else. Right? I got one of them big bushy Tom Selleck numbers, man. I wish I had one of them, like a push broom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go cry about that too. I can't have a kicking, you know, gnarly beard like you guys. So. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, yeah. All right. Well, glad to meet you. Have a good night. Guys, it was a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Take it easy. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new along the way. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at yaktasticdukeoffishing at gmail.com or look me up on Facebook. Hey, guys. Chuck Earls here. You can reach me on social media. You can send me an email, drop me a line. I will link all my contact information down in the description below. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. We will see you on the next episode. And remember, for me, fishing is life.